0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Unstoppable, Bound in His Love, Freed by His Spirit, where we're journeying through what many call the greatest chapter in the Bible, Romans 8, to uncover a more lasting force than hard work and a more enduring purpose than momentary success. Scripture says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you today that we can be here together That we can hear your voice, that we can sing your praise, that we can make much of you and be rightly related to you again. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins that we have in Christ. And Father, this morning as we listen to you, as we hear your voice today, would you work within us, Lord? Would you give us assurance today? Would you give us grace today? Would you help us to see who you are and all that you've done and all that you are doing to get us home? Help me now as I stand in weakness here, Lord. Work through me today and through your word. May you be glorified. Help us to hear and to receive your word well. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name now. Amen. Will we actually make it? Have you ever felt that way? Will I actually get to the end? Will I actually arrive? Will the day come when when it's finally there? I'm, I'm, I'm home. I don't know if you've had those days when you've ever wondered if you would finally make it or arrive home. Uh, last Christmas Eve, right after the uh, after the service that we had here on that, uh, on that, I think it was a Friday evening, our family decided we were going to make the run 10 hours to my in-law's house uh, through the night to be able to get there and be there on Christmas morning uh, with grandma and grandpa and all the kids and cousins and all of that. And that was something we hadn't done in, in quite some time. And so as soon as the service was over, we darted out the door, the van was low we were off and running and it was going great until we got to about Kalamazoo uh, and if you know wintertime on the west side of the state that lake effect snow starts to happen and and you know there's just a few flurries here and there to start but but kalamazoo it starts picking up and then we get to Pawpaw, and it's like full on white out snow everything you could hardly see anything the snow was falling you could see the lines on the road uh, there was nothing around the cars were just diving into the ditch, left and right. It was tense. And here I am, white-knuckling it on the wheel. Stephanie is panicking and freaking out and going, what is going to happen? Are we going to make it? And I'm like, I got this. I got this. I'm going to go a little slower, but we're going to get through it. And then we, we got to the border of Michigan and Indiana, and the snow still kept coming. And I thought, I don't know if I got this anymore. There was one overpass where I think the van went sideways uh, over it and then kind of swerved into the turn. And, and it was just one of those stressful environments of wondering, are we actually going to make it? Are we going to get there? Are we going to spend Christmas in the ditch on the side of the road and be completely disappointed? I wonder if you feel that way spiritually sometimes. Life, life comes at us hard and fast, and it's, it's heavy in a lot of ways. And we wonder, are we, are we actually going to make it to heaven? Are we going to get there one day? Will, will that day where we, we finally arrive ever, ever come? Maybe you're in that moment right now. Perhaps this has been a season where you just have a lot of questions, maybe even doubt, and, and there's some difficulty just in your heart and your life. Maybe you're struggling, fighting some sin, and you just, you just wonder. You're down, and you're saying, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to get there. I, I don't know if it'll happen. Maybe you've been through and had some, some incredibly uh, tumultuous circumstances of late. You don't know why they're happening. It's painful. It hurts. It hurts. And you wonder, like, is God ever going to deliver me? Is he ever going to get me home? I don't know what to make of these circumstances. Am I going to get there? Maybe you're afraid. but Perhaps you're just terrified. You look at your life and you think about how you should be growing, or at least what you've heard about how you should be growing in Christ, and you look at where you're at and you're like, I haven't made much progress. I'm not sure that maybe God really doesn't love me. Maybe I'm not really... Uh, doing as well as I thought I should, and maybe he's going to be disappointed with me, and maybe God's going to be like, you know, like, you get, like, sea-level heaven, but, but, like, the first-class Christians, like, you're not one of them. Sorry. You just, you just wonder if God will turn you back, and you feel that fear. I have good news for you today. And that's this what I love about this passage. I was going to crawl in here sick today to preach this passage because it means so much to us as Christians. What what God has to say for us today is about giving us assurance, giving us clear confidence that if you are in Christ, if you've you've placed your faith in Jesus, you're going to make it home. You're going to get there. And it's not because you're going to get yourself there. It's because Christ is going to get you there. He's going to bring you along. And, And this passage that Paul has here at the, at the almost conclusion of this incredible chapter we've been calling unstoppable. It just shows us how unstoppable God's love is and his power to get us home who are weary and tired and discouraged and maybe doubting and afraid. And, and you just need to hear today, you're going to make it if you're in Christ. He's going to get you there. This passage, if I could summarize it in this way, in this, this big idea, it's this, God in all that he is, God, in all that he is, has done all that we need to get us all the way home. God, in all that he is for us, all that he is in his glory, has done all that we need, everything you need, I'll show you here this in just a moment, to see us all the way home. You're going to make it. You're gonna make it because of Christ. It's incredibly good news. And so I want you to have this, this massive confidence and this assurance of God's grace and love for you because of these realities. Paul has three realities here for us, three ways that we need to see how God is working to get us all the way home. And this will help us in our life here in the present moment, and it will help us aim our hearts towards the future and help us see and understand and endure even the difficult circumstances we're going through now. Let's let's walk through these three ways in which God, in all that he is, does all that we need to see us all the way home. First of all, our prayers are strengthened by the Spirit. Here's what God does within the work of our prayers. God, in all that he is, he meets us in our prayers. And and I would say, more than just meeting us in our prayers, more than just interacting with us as we pray... He participates in our prayers. And, and again, that's just him speaking back to us or, or hearing our prayers and participation. God gets in the mix of our prayers. He helps us in our prayers. Now, Paul's been talking. We, we've seen over the last couple of weeks, Nathan did a fantastic job last Sunday, appointing us to uh, and helping us see the reality of the Spirit, even in the midst of our suffering in this present time. That's what he says in verse 18. The sufferings of this present moment, they're... They're there, but Paul says, they're not worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed to us. So he's, he's contrasting suffering and glory. The reality is that our suffering here, it points us to the future. If, if we see these things rightly weighed out, it points us to the future, a future when our adoption as sons and daughters and the redemption of our bodies, what he talks about in verse 23, is finally revealed and, and comes to culmination, it's experienced. He's saying that day is coming so when we look at these sufferings that are so painful and trying and difficult now he's saying consider they're light momentary they're they're nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory that's coming for us and we say okay well that's that's great that's our hope but but here and now like things are really hard i mean they they are tough we hit seasons of life that just they just undo us what trouble is there for us in these seasons? And, and, and when that trouble comes, we don't even know how to pray. If you're honest with yourself, and I'll be honest with you about myself, when, when seasons of affliction and trial hit, it's difficult to pray. What, what do we say? How do we, how do we go to God? Paul, Paul gets this, so he says, likewise, verse 28, 6. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. A weakness here states uh, suggests a state of incapacity to do or experience something. We are we're unable to pray. We don't know how to pray. We're ineffective in our prayers. We're like, what do I say about this this heartache? What do I say about this affliction? Suffering and hardship brings us to the point where we're wondering even does prayer work? I mean, what's the point of it? Am I just saying things that hit the ceiling and they bounce back to earth? We don't even know what to pray, and yet. Here's God, and he shows up, and and Paul says, likewise, in in seeing our sufferings, the Spirit of God helps us. That's such good news. He's engaged in our weakness, in our incapacity, in our inability. He is there helping us. How does he do that? Paul says, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Let that be an encouragement to you today. You don't know what to pray for as you ought, neither do I. We can try, we should, we should pray, but none of us hit it perfect. There's not, there, please don't have the misconception that there's perfect prayers out there. If you find those people, they're just arrogant. See that we're all just we're all just needy. We're unable. We're weak. And we don't know what to pray for as we ought. But that doesn't deter God. That doesn't have him say, whoa, 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 I only accept perfect prayers. I mean, you gotta write the letter correctly, you gotta get the grammar in. Perfectly. You're going to have the these and the thous right there. That's not, that's, not, that's not God's posture towards us. He helps us in our weakness. How does he help us? His spirit himself, the spirit himself, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Here's the good news of where God gets in the mix of this. In our weak, ineffective, bad, I don't even know what to say prayers, there the spirit of God is praying for us and with us what the word intercede means. Let me think about that. The third person of the Trinity, God himself, is praying for you and with you as you pray in really weak and incapable ways. As you just can't bring it to God, he's right there fueling, equipping, strengthening, building your prayers. It's a way of showing his solidarity with us. The Spirit of God prays with empathy. He feels our need. He gets our heart. He knows our weakness. So so friends, see here, the Spirit of God is with you in your prayers. He's not against you. You say, well, what if if I don't know what to pray? What if I I pray the wrong thing? How How does he help me? Well, remember, we don't know how to pray as we ought. But then he says this in verse 27, He who searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, twice now in two verses, Paul said the Spirit is interceding for us. But here's what he does. First of all, God knows what the Spirit is saying. He who searches hearts, that's a, another phrase for the Father. The Father knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. So The Father and the Spirit are on the same page together. They are, they are lock and step about what we need. And what their purpose for the universe is. And what their purposes in our life are. The Father and the Spirit, they are together in that. And so as the Spirit hears our prayers and takes our prayers, so Paul says, he, the Spirit, intercedes according to the will of God for us. The Spirit acts as a translator for our weak, petty, poor prayers and takes them and changes them and directs them right to the very heart of God. It's, it's as if he, he sees the bullseye of God's will. He prays and he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And he says, our prayers that are five degrees off, 10 degrees off, they miss the mark altogether. The spirit grabs them and he puts them right at the bullseye. Right at the mark, the center mark of God's will. So, so here's the good news for us. You can take your weak, ineffective, poor, tired, even silent prayer, you don't even know what to pray, say, God, help, and there's the Spirit of God in line with the Father taking your prayers, praying with you, strengthening you, and making sure your prayers hit the mark. They get right to the center of the bullseye of God's will. It's such good news. Your prayers hit the sweet spot. One of the ways I think about how this works or what this could look like is, is learning puppy language. Our family right now is learning puppy language. We, we acquired a dog uh, in the last month or so. I love that dog, but I don't know what that dog wants. He gets to pawn around and snipping and barking at me, and he's just grunting, and I'm like, what do you want? And then, and then Stephanie or Allison comes into the room, and they say, uh, Hartley wants to go outside. Oh, why didn't you tell me, Hartley? I ought to taken you out. Stephanie or Allison, they, they take and they understand the dog better than I do, and they redirect the, the language of the dog. They help communicate that to my heart so that I know how to, how to carry it out. They strengthen and clarify and redirect what the dog needs to the very right place. So it is for the Spirit of God for us. That's why we should Pray. You don't pray alone. The Spirit of God intercedes for you and with you. And so he takes the hard prayers. He takes the prayers where he's just like, I, I don't know, God. It's rough right now. And he says, I understand. I hear you. And he redirects our prayers. You, you might say, I don't know what to pray. Just pray. Spirit hears you. He's not turning you back. He doesn't go, oh, come on. Get your language together. I mean, get a doctorate on prayer, and then we can talk. no. He's open-armed to you. You say, I don't know if I'm going to say it right. It's one of the things I hear sometimes in our life groups when people are publicly praying. They say, I don't know if I'm going to say it right. That's okay. You don't have to say it right. You're speaking to God, and the Spirit helps you in that. He hears you. He's going to direct your prayers right to the center of God's will. If you are in Christ, then your prayers will hit the center of the target because the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So pray. Pray. In fact, the only way to violate this encouragement is for us not to pray. So say, well, I guess I don't need the Spirit's help. I don't need any prayer. No, no, we, we need Him to not pray. is pride, weak prayer, though, is powerful. The Spirit takes it. So God, in all that He does, and all that He is, does all that we need to get us home, including getting our prayers right to the center of God's will. He helps us in our prayers. He helps us in our weaknesses. Secondly, he, God, in all that he is, he takes our, syner- our circumstances and he synergizes them for our good. Our, circum- our circumstances are synergized for our good. I, I know it's one thing for us to talk about prayer. It's one thing to say, yes, God, here's my needs. Here's my heart. And we take our heart to God. It's another thing completely different to talk about our circumstances, what's going on in our life. How do we get on with life when, when our circumstances are troublesome, when it's a bad day, when the disappointments of life, when the brokenness of the sin world, sin-filled world, sin world, when our own hearts are just troubled within us, how do, how do we reconcile that? Yes, we can pray, but like, the problem's still there. But what are we going to do with that? How can we be confident that we're going to make it home when everything in the world seems to tend towards our failure and our misery? When the bad days really come down on us, what hope is there that we will make it home? Well, Paul keeps leaning forward for us. He wants us to see God in all that he is, does all that we need to see us all the way home, including our circumstances. So he says this in verse 28, we know that. Okay, here's a reminder. Paul is calling to us the truth. He's just anchoring remember your God. Remember what's true of him. Who is he? What kind of God is he? Who is he promised to be? We we know that God is, is great. He is powerful over all things. And we know that God is good. The scriptures remind us again and again and again of his love for us. And so we know that. We know that. Here's what's coming to our hearts. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Let me just pause here and ask us what's the subject of this this verse here? All things work together for good. Who's who's the subject here? Is it some sort of impersonal cosmos out there, just spinning the universe around, somehow fate making all things work together for good? No, that's that's not the subject of the verse at all. God is the subject of the verse. God, in his careful and wise designs of providence and in his skillful hands of wisdom, he is the one that is working all things together for our good. It's his providential power, his skillful hands that bring the evil, destructive, and painful things of our lives into ultimate good. He is working out all things for his glory and for our good, the word Working together, it's really one word in the Greek, synergeo. It's where we get our English word synergy from here. This is the idea of it. God is taking our circumstances with failure, with sin, with brokenness, with pain, and he is synergizing them. He is working them out, working them together for our good. I want you to see how much God loves you here in the tough days and in the painful circumstances, in the broken lives, in physical illness, in great disappointments. God is working those things together for your ultimate good. His hand's not off the wheel. He's not, he's not just kind of up in heaven saying, oh, that's, that's a bummer. I hope they figure it out. I hope it goes better for them. Maybe fate will kind of swing things around. No, God has his hands in the mix and he's working these things for our good to bless us, to show us his love, so that the final result of all our circumstances in the hands of God is that they will result in good for us. And the question is, well, who is this for here? What, is, what does this mean for us? Paul points out two things. He says this, for, for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I want to be clear here, this is not some distinct, special class of Christians different from every other believer. It's not the A-list that really get in on this. It's for for everybody who's in Christ. Here is Paul laying out and identifying God's promises for God's people. Those who are called according to his purpose and those who love God are the same people. It's one in the same coin. We, We remember the scripture says that we love God because he first loved us. He called us to himself. He bestowed his grace and mercy on us. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for our sin and for our failure and for our rebellion. And in his love and mercy and grace, he raised Christ from the grave again, vindicating his sacrifice so that anyone who trusts in him will not be put to shame, but will be rescued and reconciled to him. God has shown his love for us in that. So he's called us according to his purpose. And the purpose that he's working out in us is that we would worship and glorify him, but a result of that is that we love him. We see what he's done for us. We see the, the horror of the cross, and yet we see the beauty of it because therein is our salvation. When Jesus died for us, we see God's love displayed. Paul has proclaimed that in Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we see God's love, we hear his call to us to come and follow him, and we follow him in love. The person who loves God is the same person who has been called to his, according to his purpose. And so because of those realities, because of that, that statement for us, we can see that God is working all things together for the Christian's good all circumstances, all things. There is nothing off limits that God is not working in and working about to bring our ultimate good. So his point here is to encourage us, even in the worst days, even in the most difficult of circumstances, even in the darkest of moments, even in the, the hardness of our sin, there God is working. He is doing everything we need, working in all things, for our ultimate good, to see us all the way home. If your circumstances are bleak, if you're tired, if you're weary, if you're broken, know that God has not abandoned you, but he's doing far more than you can understand or comprehend, He's doing everything for the sake of his glory and our good. It's an invitation for us to trust him. And I know it's not an easy answer. This is not something that I would offer to you in the midst of your suffering to say, well, just get over it. God's working all things in your pain. Just get over it. But to see, even now, if you're not in pain, to have your heart built and steadied so that when the pain does come, you can say, all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I think about the, the story of, of the people in the scriptures. Think about the lives of Abraham, Joseph, Job, Daniel, and his buddies, even Jesus. Like, their lives were filled with hardship. Joseph, in particular, his story just speaks to me so much about this. He's living in a great family and in a great home, and his dumb brothers sell him off to slavery in Egypt. And they're at the bottom of the pile, just a slave in that. He, he begins to be elevated by God in the household. And then he's slandered and lied against and thrown in prison and their town even further in the pit. And, and yet God continues to have his hand of grace and blessing upon Joseph and his life. And, and, he, and he connects with people and he f- sees that maybe there's a way out. But, but even in that, they forget him. And so he's left there in prison to suffer, just waste away alone. And then God at the right time, working in Joseph's circumstances, Elevates and brings Joseph out to be the one who has the wisdom to tell Pharaoh, hey, there's going to be seven great years, and then there's going to be seven really bad years. We should get ready. And Pharaoh goes, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do it. He installs Joseph as the number two. And Joseph's brothers come back, and they don't know who he is, and they're, they're there paying for their, uh, for their grain. And Joseph reveals himself to him, and they're terrified. They think he's going to play revenge of the youngest brother and kill us all. And Joseph says to them, this is Genesis 50, verse 20, As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. If you're in Christ, you can have this confidence and hope even on your darkest day. I sat with someone yesterday who is just experiencing the hardest situation I can imagine in life. Heard them tell their story and cry. And they say, I know God is good. I know he's working all things together, but it hurts. But I trust him. You can trust the Lord in your pain. He will get you home. The hard circumstances in your life are not God saying he's left you on your own. He is weaving and retooling and synergizing them for your ultimate good. Again, God, in all that he is, has done all that we need to see us all the way home. Which means He'll get us home. He'll get us home. This is the third point. Our future is secured for glory. This is the third way that God is working here. Our future is secured for glory. This is what he says in verses 29 and 30. For those whom he foreknew, for those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called; and those whom he called, he also justified; and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, these two verses are what some call the golden chain of salvation. There's there's five verbs here in this verse that speak about what God is doing. In verse 28, we were asking the question: Who are those who are called by God? What is His purpose? Those verses answer, these two verses answer that question and show how God accomplishes this ultimate good for us. In these five verbs, five actions of God, we see Him working from eternity past to eternity future to get us home. Let me just list out these verbs here God foreknew, predestined, called, justified, and glorified. It's, it's what some have called the logical order of salvation. Let me just unpack these words for you just one by one. First of all, God foreknew. For those whom he foreknew. The term here foreknow isn't the idea of knowing something ahead of time. It's the connotation of knowing in love. It's the idea of, of setting your love or your affection. God setting his covenant love upon us. Think about the euphemism that's used sometimes in the Old Testament through the scriptures of a husband and wife being intimate in marriage. They knew one another. This is the idea of God's foreknowledge of of us. He sets his covenant love upon us. And so from eternity past, God has placed his covenant love upon someone before the foundation of the earth, before they were ever born. And in placing his covenant affections and love on them, we go to the next verb. Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. He places His, his eternal affection and covenant love upon them and chooses them for salvation. And what does he choose them to? He chooses them to be conformed to the image of his son, or that is to be made like Christ. So, God, in eternity's past, he, he foreknows, he sets his love on us, and he chooses us from before the foundation of the earth, choosing us to be like Christ, to be transformed like Christ. We bear his image. He says this in so much, he says, to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he, the son, Christ, might be the firstborn among many brothers. You think about why has God foreknown? Why has God predestined? Why has God called? It is so that he might have a people who image and display his son so that Christ, as the firstborn among many brothers, and the term there, firstborn, doesn't mean first created thing. It means highest in rank. It's a a statement of title or status. Christ, the highest in rank among all his people, might be the one who's imaged and displayed and glorified. God is calling. He He is foreknown. He is predestined. And then the third verb is he is called. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined, and those whom he predestined, verse 30, he also called. So everyone God has set his covenant love on, or foreknown, and chosen in Christ, predestined, he has called to himself. Now, the word call here is really important. Maybe you're worried about the first two. You go, okay, have I been foreknown? Have I been predestined? Well, the word call here demonstrates it, helps you get a grasp on this being true for you or not. The term here answers this for us. Paul used this term call earlier in Romans in chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. Paul's talking about Abraham, and he makes a substantial point about how we are saved. We are saved by faith alone. That's how we receive God's grace. We trust and depend on what Christ has done for us. And Paul reasoned in Romans 4 that Abraham was justified by God through faith alone. As Abraham believed God, he was accounted righteous. He believed in the God, and this is verse 17 of chapter 4. Abraham believed in the God who gives life to the dead and calls, there's that word, calls into existence the things that do not exist. The point there is that God speaks. And as God speaks, as he calls, he brings things that don't exist into existence. He brings life. That's the one whose Abraham's faith is in. The God who speaks and it happens. Speaks and it doesn't exist, but now because he's spoken, it does. So just as God calls into existence the things that do not exist, so God's powerful call brings to life those who are spiritually dead. The call is responded to by faith. So those God foreknew and predestined, he called, he spoke, he invited. He said, come to me. And that call is effectual. They hear that call and they believe. They they hear the good news of Jesus Christ, who came and lived a perfect, sinless life, who sacrificially suffered and died in our place. He was raised to life again on the third day. He was ascended to heaven in glorious vindication. They see that Jesus. We see him and what he has done for us. And We hear the call to come to him and follow him, and we believe, put our faith in him. Friends, this is the good news for you. If you've received that call, if you've trusted Christ, if you've seen who Jesus is and believed in him, the first part of the chain here, those who He foreknew, he predestined, that's true of you because you've you've trusted Christ, you've believed, you've followed him. If you've trusted the promises of God and banked your life on Christ, then all of this is true of you. It's a complete package. If you've been called, you can look back and see you've been foreknown, you've been predestined. And if you've been called, you can look forward to the good things that are ahead. The result here is in the rest of this verse, in verse 30. Those who are called are justified. And we've spent time in this earlier this year in verse, chapter 5, verse 1. To be justified is to be declared righteous before God. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we've heard the call of God, we've responded in faith in Jesus, we've been justified. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're declared righteous. We're accepted. We're loved. We're adopted. We're in the family, never to be kicked out again. We have peace with God. And the good news then here is go to the next step, the last verb. Those whom he justified, he glorified. Here's the great promise. If you believed and trusted in Christ, you've been declared righteous before the Father. You have peace with God. Oh, and by the way, you will be glorified. You'll make it home. You will get there. If one of these is true of you, then all of them, all five of them are true of you. Glorification is the work of God making us completely sinless, perfectly radiant, like Christ in every way. It is God getting us home. He does this. We believe and trust in him alone. God is the one who saves from start to finish. We believe and trust in him. So, if you are in Christ, here's the good news of the assurance of this passage you will make it home. You'll get there. If you you trust Christ, you have nothing else to do but to look on the God who, in all of himself, has done everything, absolutely everything we need to get us all the way home. Friends, I want your minds to be renewed with the truth and the good news here of Christ. Your salvation is not a matter of how good you are or how religious you are, how great a prayer you are, how clean you, you how clean how much you clean up yourself by your righteous works. Your salvation and the security of it doesn't rest on how good of a Christian you are or how how great a life you have. Everyone who is in Christ is given bold, clear, honest assurance that God saves and he saves all the way home. So you can rest. You can be secure. You can rejoice. You can worship because God, in all that He is, has done everything, all that we need to see us all the way home. We can go to work. We can go to war against our sin. We can employ grace driven effort to work out our salvation with fear and trembling because it's God who works in us both to will and to work for His good pleasure. We can trust Him in everything the hard moments, the difficult days, the days of radiant joy and gladness, the whole deal because you're going to make it. God's going to get you home. You can trust him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your grace. Even now, as I pray, your spirit is interceding on our behalf. And so I would ask, Spirit of God, affirm this in our hearts. Settle us on your grace and truth. Give to everyone here who is in Christ this morning assurance that you will bring us home as we think about our circumstances, Lord, help us to to see your profound and sovereign wisdom that you are working all things together for our good. And help us to see our security. We have nothing to worry about, that we can take one day at a time, trusting you, depending on you, even the worst days, knowing you will bring us to you. You'll get us home. Lord, thank you for your grace. We ask that you would affirm this again in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org to introduce yourself today.